Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. This podcast is made possible due to the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. All right. What's up, Faith Church? How are y'all? Y'all having a good week? Just curious, how many of you got out and played in the snow this week? Be honest. How many? Yep, yep. Locked in the house all week with your kids. How many of you, like me, right here, locked in? How many of you kids made it? They all back in Faith Kids right now? Good. Mine are still at home. Unfortunately, somehow, I hadn't figured this out yet. Me and God are still talking about it. But we went the entire week, snowed in, locked in the house, kids out of school, everybody's healthy. They're going, jumping off the walls. We make it all the way to Friday, and uh, one of my kids wakes up. He's like, Dad, I'm really hot. And I feel his head, and sure enough, blowing fever. So although I thought we somehow dodged the flu bullet, um, it found me Friday. And so my wife and kids are at home. They're online right now. So be praying for us because as soon as I thought we were going to get them back to school and back out of the house, now it looks like they're still they're still there, and they're going nuts, and cabin fever has set in. So um, I'm here, and uh, my wife is at home, so pray for her, and uh, she would appreciate that. But I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, if you're new here, my name's Adam. I am one of the pastors here, and um, we're just glad to be here. We are in week three of a series that we have called Forward, and really the whole idea behind this series is um, we're asking the question, what would happen, what would Faith Church be like in 2019 if during 2018 every single person that calls Faith Church home would just take one step forward? And so every single week we've been looking at what are some next steps that you need to take? And everybody falls at a different place on the spiritual journey. Um, So in weeks one and two, uh, Pastor Steve so far has um, sort of laid out four different steps that everybody needs to take. Step one was that you need to be found, right? The best decision, the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life is to be found by Jesus. And we, we say that intentionally because, you know, you're found like you don't find, right? Like God was never lost. You didn't find him. He found you. And that's the cool part because we're told that, that Jesus is just standing at the door of your heart knocking. And if you want to be found, all you have to do is open the door and he wants to come in. He wants to change your life. So if that's you and you've never taken this first step, then what we want you to do this year in 2018 is just do that one step. Just be found, and I promise you, your 2019 will be the most amazing year that you've ever experienced. The next step, once you've taken that step and you are found, we've said, listen, you need to be a finder because found people find people, right? Like once you've been rescued from like the throes of death, you got pulled off the train tracks, like you kind of got to be a jerk if you don't go pull your friends off the same train tracks, right? Like, You don't like your friends very much if you just got saved from death and you leave them where they are. Um, So found people, find people. You need to be a finder. And once you're doing those things, the next step we said was, listen, you need to go public with being found. You need to be baptized. It is not a take it or leave it. Now here at Faith Church, we do not believe that baptism saves you. But we also don't believe that you just get to do it if you want to. It's just kind of thrown in there. It's a really, really important next step. And if you've never done that, we want you to take that next step. Be baptized. Go public with it. Tell everybody that you're proud of what God has done on the inside of you and you're not ashamed to show it on the outside. Right? Right? Go public with being found. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about the importance of serving 
of using the gifts and talents and passions that you have in your life to make a difference for other people, that there were, there were individuals who served and that went after you, that, that sacrificed, that used all those things in their lives so that you could be found, so that you could encounter God. So you, now that you're there, now it's time to go back and say, okay, God, I want my life to count. I want to serve. I want to use these gifts. My life is not my own. I am yours. Some of you need to take that next step. Some of you need to begin serving. Well, today, we're going to add another step, right? Because I don't care where you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, how long you've been coming to Faith Church. Um, I don't care if you're on staff. I don't care where you are. Everybody in 2018 has a next step because everybody needs to be moving forward, regardless of who you are. So today, we're going to take another step. And we're going to look at five steps now that everybody needs to take in 2018. And today, I want to talk to you about the importance of this word connect. The importance of connecting and being a part of a body. So that's what we're going to dive in today. If you've been at Faith Church for any amount of time, um, you've heard one of us, me or Pastor Steve or one of our other pastors, you've heard us make statements like this. We say, you can't do life alone. Like we, like, we really do believe that life change happens in the context of relationships, but it was funny as I was at home and I was praying and I was studying this week, um, trying to get ready for this message, it kind of hit me, you know, you, you can attempt to do life alone. Like, you can do that. You can do that. But here's the deal. It just won't really go that well for you. Because there's a huge difference in being able to survive and being able to thrive. And what you're called to as a Christ follower isn't just a life of getting by, of just enough. Like you're called to thrive. You're called to live life to the fullest. And you can't do that unless you connect. So there's an old saying. I didn't really know. I tried to figure it out um, who I could credit. So I'm not taking credit for this, but I don't know who to give credit to. Um, so maybe Abraham Lincoln said it because I found it on the Internet. Um, but um, there's an old saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you have to go together. Because see, in our lives, in every single thing that we do, we understand this is true, that life really is better connected. We understand that in our physical lives, right? We understand that when it comes to sports, right? We want to do it together. That's the reason that sports bars make billions of dollars a year, right? Like, you don't go to Buffalo Wild Wings just because they got the best chicken in town, right? They don't hang 88 televisions all over the walls, right, just because people come and enjoy their food. What they're doing is they're creating an atmosphere where people can come and connect over sports. I don't know if you saw this, if you follow, like, money news and all that type of stuff, but actually this past November, Arby's actually bought Buffalo Wild Wings for $2.4 billion dollars. Just that one restaurant, like just that chain. Buffalo Wild Wings is worth $2.4 billion because you don't get to go buy Buffalo Wild Wings on a Monday night or a Thursday night or on a Sunday and they don't have cars and trucks parked all over the grass and people are laid out. Why? Because people go to connect over sports. And we get that. We understand it. We understand it when it comes to like fitness. We understand it when it comes to working out and trying to, to be healthy. That's the reason that there are gyms all over the place. I looked it up. In 2017, health club memberships alone. So I'm not talking about like supplements. I'm not talking about um, overall like fitness equipment, fitness clothing, like any of that stuff. Gym memberships alone, 
Like just my fee that I pay you so that I can come and I can get the classes and I can work out with other people and people will hold me accountable. Worldwide in 2017, gym memberships alone almost hit $76 billion. Why would you spend $76 billion on a membership? That it don't make you skinny. Because how many of y'all know some of y'all got memberships and that's still a step you're trying to take forward? It doesn't guarantee you anything except the opportunity to connect with some people that can hold you accountable and try to make it easier. And they got some wisdom that you don't. So, man, if you could help me, we're going we're gonna to connect because I understand that it's valuable when it comes to my physical health. We understand it when it comes to vacations, right? That's the reason that you've never heard of anybody winning an all-expense-paid trip for one. It doesn't happen. Why? Because vacations are better together. They're, like, you got to go with people. That's what makes it fun. We've got those sayings, right? Like, the more, the merrier. Like, no, let's, let's have game now. Let's get together, like, because we know we need connection. But yet, for some reason, when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our walk with God and trying to move forward, in that aspect of our lives, for some reason, we try to buy into this idea, well, that's, listen, that's a personal thing. Like, that's just me and God, right? Like, I, and the truth is that is a lie from the pit of hell. Like, God never gave you the option for your faith to be a personal thing. You weren't created for that. It wasn't designed to be that way. If you want to move forward in your spiritual walk in 2018, if you want to begin experiencing the life that God has for you, then the way you're going to do that is you got to connect. And so today I want to talk to you, spend a little bit of time talking about the four characteristics of connection. The four characteristics of connection, because I want to try to get you to understand the value and importance of this aspect of your life. Because I think for so many people, and I'm one of them, okay, I know it does, you probably don't listen and you probably don't believe me when I say it, but I'm a really introverted person. Like relationships, I have to work at that. Like I, I don't, all, I'm, if I go to a party and like I don't know everybody, I'm not the guy that walks into the room like, what's up, man, good to see you, hey. Like that's not me. I'm the guy that walks in and I'm kind of in the corner and I'm like, yeah, okay, what's up? I don't know any of these people, so I'm just going to stay over here. I think some of you are that, so I want to spend some time today to try to help you understand the importance of maybe you are one of those people that, that you go out and you just want to talk to everybody and you make friends with the world, or maybe you're like me and it takes some work and you've got to be intentional and you've got to be disciplined about it. I want you to understand the value of connection today. So four characteristics I want to talk about in connection. The first thing that I want you to know is that you were created from connection. When you go all the way back to the beginning, way before you and I were even here, before, before Adam and Eve existed, there was God, right? And did you know that God exists perfectly in connection? Take a look at this. Genesis chapter 1. Like, you can't go any further back than this, right? Open it up. Like that first book that you come to in the Bible, that first chapter, we're told that God is having a conversation Right with himself, in of himself, in perfect relationship. And he says, then God said, let us, right, make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that, if you're an English nerd like me, right, this is an adverb phrase, okay? So this means that everything after this phrase is dependent on the first. 
So let's make them in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You see, the way that you have dominion, the way that you take charge, the only way you can do that is because you were created in the image of God. And you have to understand that that image of God is an image of connection. It's an image of relationship. And there is nothing else on the face of this planet that was created to reflect the image of God like you and like me. See, you were created from connection. That's your origin story. That's like all the way, that's the foundation of you and the foundation of me is that we were created out of relationship. You were created from connection, but you were also created for connection. You were created for it. You see, that's the conversation that God was having, and he's, he's telling him, perfect relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They said, we need to make man in our image because perfect connection is the perfect way to live their life. And so we go, and then you don't even have to jump very far from Genesis chapter 1 until you get to Genesis chapter 2. And we're told after God goes through and he's created all the world, he's created the earth and the seas, the skies, the birds, the animals, and he's created man. And then we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man, Adam, right, to be alone. So I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now here's the cool thing about Adam. Adam Before Eve was ever created, before God had ever made a helper, Adam lived in perfect connection with God. Adam got to walk with God in the cool of the day. Adam knew God like nobody has ever known God. He had perfect connection with God. But God himself even looked at that, knowing that he's connected to God perfectly. But God said, you know what? It's not enough for you to be just connected to me. It's not good that you're alone. Well, God, I'm not alone. I've got you. I know, but it's, it's not the same. You need to be connected to others all the way back in the beginning. You can jump all the way to the New Testament, taking a look at the book of Acts. We're told in the early church, you go all the way back to like the beta version of us, right? And Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, he says that all the believers, that's everybody, That's every single person in the church at the time were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and they sold possessions to give to anyone who had need. Going on, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You see, the early church You go all the way back to early creation and God says, you you don't need to be alone. You you need a helper. You need to be connected. You go all the way back to the beginning of the church. And what we're told is they were together. They were connected and it was perfect. Everybody was taken care of. Everyone had what they needed because they were united. They were together. But how many of you know because of the way lives happen, and it's the same way back in this day as it is ours, like we're always pulled apart. Life pulls you apart. And so there's always this fight to come back together, to reconnect, to stay connected. It's the same way in the New Testament, just like it was today, because I think you can jump forward. Let's fast forward 20, 25 years, 
And the Apostle Paul is now went out. He's planted these churches, right? You had the early church, and now Paul has taken the gospel. He's spreading it all over of Europe. He's taken over the world with this message, but all of a sudden he starts seeing a problem in this church in Corinth. And so he writes them a letter because what he sees is that they're struggling with connection. And so the Apostle Paul writes back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he tells them, he says, listen, guys, our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. For when they are all put together, right? He says, so is it with the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. He said, some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. See, we've been baptized into Christ's body by one spirit and have been given that same Holy Spirit. What the Apostle Paul was telling the church in Corinth was you need to value connection because you were created from it and you were created for it. And yes, your world and your life and the speed at which you go It's going to try to get you to pull apart and to isolate. But Paul's saying, listen, you're you're one body. You can't exist. You can't live without the rest. What happens in this when you cut off a hand? What happens to the hand? It dies, right? It's the same thing when you get disconnected from the body of Christ because you were supposed to be connected. You were created for it. The apostle Paul was challenging them, come together. Stay united, stay connected, because they were driving themselves apart. You know, this past Monday, um, we celebrated one of the greatest men to ever um, walk the face of the planet, um, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And many of us, we remember, you know, growing up, and you've seen the speeches, you've seen what Dr. King did, and you've seen his life's mission of how he truly changed um, our country, changed the world forever. And in his most famous speech, right, he said what? He said, I have a dream. And I want to just, I just want to call out something that I'd never seen before until this past week when I was studying for this message and I was watching some of the coverage of Dr. King. And in Dr. King's I have a dream speech, he said this. He said, I have a dream that one day my four little children will be judged, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He said, I have a dream that one day the sons and daughters of former slaves and the sons and daughters of former slave owners will sit, what? Together at the table of fellowship. He said, I have a dream that one day all of God's children will join together in singing the words of that old spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. You see, as much as Dr. King was a champion of equality. He was just as much a champion of connection. He was just as much about trying to get a world and a people to understand, just like the Apostle Paul was in 1 Corinthians, that the only way we're ever going to thrive, the only way we can make it through this life is if we do it together. we got to be connected. And you know the reason if I've I was reading through what Paul was saying, and I was reading through what Dr. King was saying, and you know, Dr. King was absolutely a charismatic leader. He was a forerunner. He was such an instrumental person 
um, in our culture, in our history. But do you know the reason I think so many millions of people have been impacted by the I Have a Dream speech over the years? I think it's because it wasn't only Dr. King's dream, but it was God's dream, right? Did you notice the similarities between what Paul had challenged the church in Corinth with and what Dr. King challenged America in the 60s with? The apostle Paul was telling them, listen, you're one body. Some are slaves, some are free. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles. You're seeing ethnic differences. You're seeing socioeconomic differences. But the apostle Paul was trying to get the church to see we've got to come together. It's the same thing that Dr. King said. He said, I've got a dream that former slaves and former slave owners can come together some, so that we can reconnect because it's the only way that we'll ever experience life the way God created us to. See, we were created from it. We were created for it. All about connection. The third thing I want to talk about today is that while you were created from connection, you were created for connection. Also, your calling requires connection. The life that you're called to live. How many of you want to experience God's best in your life? Raise your hand. Like you want to be blessed. Jesus He told us in John 10, 10, he said, I came so that they might have life and they might live it to the fullest. We all want that. We all want peace. We all want hope. We all want to experience our best life. But you know, the only way we can do that is if we do it connected. If we do it together. Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22, He was asked, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? What they were saying is, man, I need you to simplify this for me because there's like 600 and some odd commands in this deal and I just need you to give me like the Jesus version, like the dumb it down. What do I got to do to meet the law of Moses? And Jesus replied very clearly. He said, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. What Jesus was saying is the most important decision you can ever make in your life is to connect with God. That's the most important, that you be found. That's the most important step. The greatest commandment is love God, connect to God, experience that relationship. But you see, Jesus didn't stop there. And he kept going. He said, oh yeah, but there's a second that's equally important. Y'all know what the word equally means? It means it's just as important as loving God is loving your neighbor as yourself. For the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Well, can I, can't my life and my spiritual walk and can't, can't all that just be between me and God? No, it can't. Because Jesus himself told us that your connection to others is equally as important as your connection to God. Well, man, I'm all about Jesus. I love God, but I don't like the church. I don't like Christians. They're all hit. Okay. But you don't get the option to bail. You don't get the option to disconnect. It's not an option for you. We're told, how many of you have got some area in your life that, that you want healing, that you need to experience wholeness? Maybe it's 
Maybe it's fear, maybe it's addiction, maybe it's broken relationships. Like there's some area of your life that is not whole and you keep asking God, God, I need you to fix it. I need you to take care of it. I need you to heal it. And you keep wondering, God, I keep praying to you. And we sing songs about how powerful you are and how you can do all things. And God, why am I not being healed? And we're told how we can experience healing in our lives. In James chapter 5, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to God. No, it's not what it says. See, God knows. God knows where you're broken, He knows where you're hurting. And this isn't to discount confession and repentance and that connection that you have with God, but he's saying that you have to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How do you experience healing in your life? How do you experience wholeness in your life? It's through your connection to others. Yes, your connection to God is of paramount importance, but equally as important is how you're connected to others. You see, we're told by the Apostle Paul that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, when you boil it all down and you start talking about your relationship and your life and how you can experience all the life that you want, the thing you need to understand is that the key to you is us. The key to that life that you want is us. It's other people. It's people who are moving forward with you in the same direction, connected, so that you can be there for one another. That's why we challenge you guys and we create opportunities here at Faith Church for you to connect. We've got groups coming up. I'm going to do a shameless plug here because you've heard some about it. But we've got group link coming up. Sunday, February the 11th at 6 o'clock, you're going to have an opportunity, if this is your next step, to come and you're going to get an opportunity to see every group that we have available. You're going to get to see some opportunities for you to connect. Well, i got to come back at 6. I already come at 8.30 or already come at 10. Like, I mean, i got to go home and then come back. Yes, you do. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Now, you're more than welcome to go, like, hit up some lunch and hang out for a little while and connect with some people and then come back if you don't want to go home. But the point of all of it isn't for us to do another event. It's not for us just to get you back into this building and for us to try to create work for us as a staff or for us as leaders. But what we're trying to do is we understand that you were created from connection. You were created for connection, and your calling, your life depends on it. We just want to give you as many opportunities as we can to do it, to connect. So be here. Take advantage of that. Your life, your calling depends on it. But see, number four, this is the challenging one. Because while we understand that our calling requires connection, it's kind of hard to understand that others need our connection. See, we're told, John chapter 15, John says, in telling what Jesus said, he said, this is my commandment. I went all King James on this one because this is how I memorized it as a little kid, and so I'm just sticking with it. So I'm I'm making some people happy and some people whatever. (laughs) He said, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. For greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. 
You see, when you look at most of us in the room, and I'm going to say 99.8% of the people in this room, you're never going to be asked to die for someone else. You're never going to be asked to die. And I understand that, yes, but this is sort of foreshadowing Jesus talking about there's no greater love than, than him physically laying down his life, right, dying for another person. But do you know what I think in many times can be way harder than dying for someone else? It's living for someone else. It's not laying down your life one time. It's laying down your life every single day for the rest of your life. Living for someone else can be way harder than dying for someone else because you have to lay down your life. It's not about me. It's not about my wants and my needs. It's not about my time and my energy and my money. It's all about other people. That's why we're told time and time and time again, it's about others. It's about others. You're supposed to bear one another's burdens. You got to connect with others just like you connect with God. That's equally as important. The Apostle Paul told the church in Galatia, he said, Guys, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That means when you look at your life and you see what you need, that you're not supposed to focus on your needs. You're supposed to see what you need, and then you're supposed to be that thing for someone else. Well, I didn't have a dad growing up. Okay, well, you need to be a dad to somebody else. You need to be who you didn't have growing up. Well, I, I just need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to, like, you know, hold me accountable. Okay, well, then you need to go pray for somebody, and you need to hold somebody accountable. The whole law is love other people. Do for others as you would have them do unto you. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about my story, and I won't take too long on it, but I just get real proud when I get to show. This is my family. This is uh, my amazing, beautiful, better half. She's pretty much better than me in every possible way. Um, that's Brittany. Uh, this is Carson and Connor. They're my twins. They'll be 10 years old um, next month. Time's flying by. This is homie. This is Liam. I call him homie because he was a baby. He thought he was a gangster. And he would look at you with eyes, and he had these big old lips, and like he thought he was a gangster, so I started calling him homie, and it stuck. Like, this is my world in one picture, right? Like, that's my world. But you know, it didn't start there. Like, it, it took some steps forward to get us to that point. This year, 2018, my wife and I will celebrate 18 years together. Come on, that's... We started dating when we were three, and it was, it was great. See, it didn't start here. It started all the way back here, right? Come on. The year 2000, turn of the century, and I saw this pretty little blonde girl, and my heart melted. My whole world changed in that moment, and I promise you, people think I'm kidding. Had we been older, had I had a ring in my pocket, I would have got down on one knee the second I saw her. It took her a few days. She wasn't there yet. It took her a few days. But you see, we were this young couple that we loved each other. We were 15 and 16 years old. Like we knew, like I don't really know what this looks like, but like if there, I've got very few times that I can point to in my life where it was like Gabriel and Mary. And like I knew, like God told me, this is, this is the one I've created for you. And she changed everything. 
But you see, we needed some wisdom in our life. We needed some connection. And so about a year into our relationship, we're already talking marriage, as crazy as that may seem, right? All parents in the room are telling their 15-year-old, you don't love him. You don't know what love is. Like, I'm telling you, I knew she was the one. We wanted to get married. We wanted to build a life together, but we needed to know how to do that. And it was really awesome because there was this couple in our church. They're actually sitting three-quarters of the way back right now. Al and Agnes Moody were a couple in our church that had taken time out of their lives. And they were leading a group for married couples. Right? Al and Agnes just celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary this last year. So at this time, they were, yeah, it's amazing. So this time, they've been together for 22, 23 years, something like that. Business owners working. They had their own kids. They had life just like you do, just like I do. They had a business to run. They had all this stuff to do. But Alan Agnes took time out of their lives to create a space for a young 15 and 16-year-old to connect so that we could learn from them. Because, you see, they'd been on some mountaintops and they'd been through some valleys in 20 years of marriage. They knew how to get out of the valley. They knew when to celebrate. They knew all the things. And so they, we spent a year with them in this class talking about the importance of communication and understanding and forgiveness, all these different things that are foundational to living a marriage that you all want and that I want. And you see, they made room. Brittany and I were the youngest people in this group by a good 15, 20 years, truly. We were kids. And yet, for whatever reason, they made room. And because of them, because of their investment and because of their connection, our marriage started out on a foundation that most people don't get to experience. Like we had some tools in the toolbox that we knew how to deal with some things when it popped up in our young married life that we wouldn't have had had it not been for this couple right here. I'm eternally grateful for this connection because my marriage wouldn't be what it is today without it. See, there's a group, fast forward a little bit more. This is the first group that Brittany and I together ever led that we made room in our life and in our schedule to to connect with some others. This is about the year 2007. We were really, really bad at taking pictures, apparently, because we, for some reason, didn't realize that there were chairs in the way. But it's fun because you'll see some familiar faces in this picture if you're part of our faith family here. You'll see Josh Wilburn. He leads our usher team now. This is his wife, Casey. She just celebrated a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Casey. This is my gift to you. Ben Chester, he still goes here. There are a couple of couples that are here that weren't in this video but are still in this picture but are still part of our lives today. This is some of the best friends I've ever had in my life. We've done vacations together. We've raised our kids together. We've experienced marriage together. We've experienced loss together. And this group right here in 2007 was the first group of individuals that ever collectively told me and Brittany that they saw a call of ministry on our life, that they saw that God had put some gifts and talents on the inside of us and that I needed to step out of the sales world 
and that I needed to start making a difference for the kingdom of God. And had it not been for this group, I don't know that I ever would have had the strength or the faith or the courage to go after it. All because of connection. See what I'm telling you? Is that two of the greatest things I have ever done with my life, my marriage and my ministry, all came out of connection. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be where I am today without it. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And you see, just as important it is for you to understand that the key to you is us, you also need to know that the key to us is you. Last year here at Faith Church, we talked about our groups. We had 72 groups last year, which is, sounds fantastic. We were proud of it. We had some great groups, some great connection, but the truth is when you do the math and you start figuring out based on group size and limits and all that, those 72 groups roughly equated to about 1,000 people connected in relationship through groups here at Faith Church. And again, that's amazing. We had 1,000 people connected until you start realizing that here at Faith Church, we've got about 3,000 people that call Faith Church home. So I, I went to Green Hill. I, I'm not that great at math, but that means to tell me that while we have room for 1,000 people to connect, that means there's 2,000 people that want connection, that need connection, but they're waiting on somebody to make space in their lives with their time and with their energy and with the wisdom that they've experienced to connect. See, my last question when we talk about the importance of relationships is this. How many me's are waiting on you? How many young married couples out there need the wisdom that you've got? That you've been through some things. You've been through hurt. You've been through brokenness. And you're on the other side and there's some people that need what you've got. There's some people out there that need your encouragement. That they need you to make time. Yes, your life is busy. Yes, your schedule is packed and you've got jobs and you've got kids and you've got all this stuff that takes up your mental and physical time and space and energy. But as we talk about moving forward, I'm just curious, how many of you's next step is not just to get connected, but to be a connector? How many of our next step, how many of us in this room, is it time for us to stop being a consumer and start being a connector? What would happen in Faith Church in 2019 if we all took one step? If we made room for others to connect, how could we grow? How could we make a difference in the world around us? How many marriages would be better? How many ministries would be started? How many me's are waiting on you? If you're here and you know that's the next step you need to take, I want to ask you and I want to challenge you today. Go to next steps before you leave this building. We've got a team back there that can get some information from you. We can help you make room to connect with others because they need you and you need them. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you. 
God, that you created us from connection in perfect relationship. And God, we thank you that you saw from the start that it was not good for us to be alone. And so that you created us for connection and that you make that available. And God, I pray that in 2018, as we move forward, that Father, you would make Faith Church a place of connection, that we can make a difference, God, because it's not just what we want, God, it's what you want. It's your dream. Allow us to be a part of it this year, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.